Welcome to Board Game Doctors. In this episode, Dragon Wake, First Impressions. Hello everyone, and welcome to Board Game Doctors. This is Phil, and I'll be your doctor today. In this episode, I'm going to talk about my first thoughts and impressions on a Kickstarter game that is going on right now. It's called Dragon Wake. Now, the I had the opportunity to play this game because I happen to know uh, some people who are affiliated with the uh, the publisher of this game, Oh No Games. They are friends of uh, family members of mine. And so this is not in any way a paid preview or an, uh, uh, you know, an endorsement from them uh, to, to talk to you about this, of course. These are just my honest thoughts and, and feelings uh, in regards to this game that I had the chance to play, you know, a, um, a finalized version uh, with, with my family members. And, uh, and you know, let's, let's talk about it. So, so Dragon Wake is a um, quote-unquote party social deduction and bluffing type of game uh, with a, uh, you know, less of an emphasis on the bluffing. So what happens is everyone has a secret role. You know, think back to, uh, you know, Avalon or Resistance, Secret Hiller, where everyone, you know, is secretly dealt a, uh, a role. He can either be a hero or a cultist. The hero's role is to, and, and goal, is to obtain three relics throughout the game. Uh, and the cultists are supposed to get um, and, and flip over the dragon card, basically. <clears throat> and so uh, what happens is you have all of these cards with the same back uh, that include three relics, the dragon cards, and a bunch of gold, uh, which is uh, a, kind of a red herring in this game. And everyone is dealt a starting hand of five cards. What happens is with the rune uh, that is provided in the game, you you spin that, it automatically randomly selects one person. Uh, they select another person to, and in addition, one of the face down cards that they have in front of them, they have to flip it over. If it's a rune or um, a relic, uh, great. Then if you flip over two more relics, then you then the heroes win. But if you point at and flip over the dragon card, then the cultists win. And so um, that's basically the game. Um, I mean, you get to look at these cards too before you put them down face face down in front of you. And after um, so many guesses, um, the round ends. Everyone hands in the cards that weren't picked. They are shuffled and dealt out again to the players. And you go through four rounds. And, um, yeah, basically, you know, that's, that's the goal of the game to spice things up a little bit. The, it, it is encouraged that you, you know, in, uh, that you, uh, get involved with some, you know, social banter. Basically you get to, uh, you can tell the truth or you can lie about what your hand is. You can ask people what they have face down as well. You can try to persuade others to choose one person or the other. Um, and so there's, you know, there's the social deduction uh, portion of the game and the social interaction thereof. To spice things up as well, um, this this game comes with a deck of event cards. So at the beginning of each round, you can flip one over and, uh, you know, random things may may occur. For example, uh, if you want, if you choose someone and they flip over a gold, then you have to switch your roll cards. 
you also have an option of a deck of player powers, you know, asymmetric powers that you have uh, secretly at the beginning of the round. And if you, you know, during the course of the game, if your requirements are met, you can flip over and activate your power. So there's a lot of variability uh, based on the amount of cards here. And, and even, you know, the core game can be in and of itself a lot of fun. And if it may sound familiar to a certain social deduction game called Don't Mess with Cthulhu, uh, which was published back in 2014, this game, uh, uh, this particular game serves as the inspiration for Dragonweight. So I got a little bit of, you know, inside info from the, uh, you know, from the developers through my, my connections with my family members and, and so they told me a little bit more about this. So I, it sounds like back in 2017, this, uh, this, you know, they were really enjoying Don't Mess with Cthulhu. And, you know, they were playing with, you know, just a face deck, basically, and, and thought the base game was great. But they wanted to add a little bit more to the game. And so from there, you know, the event cards, the player roles and everything else, you know, slowly um, transitions itself to becoming Dragon Wake. And, you know, a bunch, you know, these these friends basically came together and um, Jess was one of the um, one of the founders of Ono Games. She put in the effort to make the art for the game as well, which looks great. And um, and they put together together everything. And as of this recording, I'm, I'm the Kickstarter is basically about 95 percent uh, finished. And so um, as far as how many people have backed it. And so there's still plenty of time left for people to back it if you're listening to this uh, right now. But, um, it, it, you know, it's it's going to be fully backed and, and uh, really excited to see uh, these guys uh, who I know and have met before in real life uh, realize a dream of theirs. So that's really cool. So I know if you've listened to a few of the episodes, episodes in this this podcast before, you know that I am not necessarily the party social deduction type of player anymore. I will say that back, um, you know, eight years, seven years ago, Avalon was a game that I was playing a lot of. My wife and I would get together with a lot of friends, you know, upwards of 10 to 12 even, which is stretching the limits of, of that game. But we would, you know, invite a bunch of people over, have a lot of fun with Avalon. We developed our own little meta and, that's kind of where some of my roots of, of gaming came from, which slowly evolved to more thematic games and then finally to the Euro um, games that I play today, especially Rosenberg games. So I still enjoy this experience, but I haven't had a lot of experience with more modern games besides Avalon. You could probably say, you know, some, some deduction games such as Codenames and Decrypto I have experience with as well. But I've never played Secret Hitler or perhaps some of these other, uh, you know, social deduction games. Um, Werewolf, of course, I've played before. But anyway, so this is my perspective coming from someone who likes crunchy, crunchy, dusty euros and coming back to social social deduction games. And I had a blast, you know. So to to speak about my experience with this and compare it with another party game experience that I had recently, which was with So Clover. Um, something that I really appreciate about a party game is if it can incorporate people 
who are new to the game, um, especially with games like this, where if you do play with the same group multiple times, you can develop a meta. And so, uh, and when I say meta, I mean, you know, certain actions and certain uh, ways that you play become, you know, evolved and, and, you know, your, your player group basically um, creates unspoken rules and, and social cues that occur during the game. And so, you know, that, that developed when I played Avalon a bunch back in the day. And with this game, you know, it, I, I feel like the, the, the two barriers that, that social games can have are, you know, introducing new players into a group that is more experienced as well as, um, the bluffing aspect. You know, some people have a really difficult time lying or playing a role. And so the, the object of this game from the developers, if you watch their content on YouTube and, and, and everything that is, um, included with the Kickstarter as well. They their goals were to mitigate this as much as possible. And I feel like they did a really good job with that. Um I you know, as I play this for the first time with some family members, of course I'm more comfortable with them anyway. But uh, you know, and I was able to, you know, assert myself in a social, you know, deductive way and and try to, you know, mix around with the you know the ways that I could lie or bluff and that was fun. But you can play this game without doing that. You can tell the truth and and just be, you know, strictly, um, you know, adherent to what you have in your hand. You don't have to um, say yes or no. I mean, you, you, you can say whatever you want in this game. You can be truthful. You can be you could you could lie. You can get really involved in trying to get into people's minds or you don't have to. I believe that this game has potential to fit a wider group of, of people interested in playing games these social deductive games and different uh, types and methods of, of playing that. And so, so I think it did a really good job there. And because it's, it's so mechanical as well, um, rather than leaving it open-ended and saying, okay, you know, bad guys need to uh, join the quest, you know, uh, or win the quest, good guys need to win the quest as well. Just vote and, and create a team and see what happens in this. It's, it's really easy. You know, you, you spin the, the rune, someone chooses uh, someone else to reveal a card, then they choose someone else to reveal a card and so forth. So mechanically, it's very simple, it's very straightforward. You could play this game basically without having to interact socially. And, you know, I, I think you could potentially play this game on an online uh, format without talking to anyone such as Board Game Arena. So, I mean, mechanically, you can do that. It's probably not as fun. It doesn't fulfill the potential of the game, which includes the the social gathering and and the talking and the interaction. But but mechanically, you can do that, and so so that's great. It, especially if you throw in the the variability of the event cards and the player powers, then you know that can in and of itself be a game that you that just anyone can play, and it becomes more of a deductive game and. And so you're trying to, you know, on your own, if, if, if this was one of those silent games like The Mind or Hanabi, and if everyone was, was silent, you can still try to deduce things on your own and sort of like, like Clue, it's not mathematical, but, but in a sense, you're, you're deducing, you know, who could be who based on their actions and who they choose and, you know, just kind of go for it and, and, you know, gather information as you go along. But at the same time, you, you know, as at the end of the round, everything is shuffled around. 
maybe it would be hard and therefore you do need that social interaction to to really gather more information to be better at this game but you know that's it's it's it would be an experiment to see if that is possible but um so yeah i i really enjoyed the game uh, i think the thing that really hooked it for me were the events and the uh, player powers i think they added really intense and and chaotic moments to the game that make it for uh, you know a wild ride uh, the time limit to play this game on the box is listed from one minute to forty-five. One minute if you you know someone picks the dragon card first, then the game is over anyway. So it's uh, and then forty-five minutes if the game does go through four rounds and there's lots of banter, and you know it, it goes to that point. But on average, I would say games uh, last about fifteen to twenty minutes, according to um, my my uh, my connections who have play tested this game extensively. So in trying to think of ways that this game may not fit a group who tends to be more socially interactive, uh, one could think that there are too many variables uh, and mechanic or mechanisms placed in this game to hinder the amount of social interaction. So you know you may feel like it all comes down to uh, luck um, as as these cards are randomly drawn and and dealt out to each each player even after every round, and then you choosing a rune card to flip over, um, it could feel like it's, well, you know, you can have the best shot and, de and deduce who may have what card you're looking for, but it, in the end, it, it's, it could be a crapshoot. The last game that I played of this, there was an opportunity where um, uh, one of the players had two relics and the dragon, and the person with the rune needed to flip over the dragon. They had a, pl a player power, that allowed them to flip over two cards, basically. So they had a 30% chance, you know, to flip over the, you know, 33% chance to flip over the dragon card, and then a 50% chance the second time because they flipped over the relic first, and then they flipped over the other relic. And so it really came down to the luck of the draw. Um, and so, and it creates a, you know, a wild experience and something that you can talk about but for those who feel like the accomplishment of social deduction games comes from the ability to deduce, you know, who's who and therefore spearhead your way to victory because of the information you gathered may find it lacking that um, it comes down to some, you know, player powers or or just the random draw of cards as well. And so um, I, I, maybe the the opportunity to, you know, bluff your way into manipulating people may be able to still give you that that uh, social you know interaction that you're looking for in this type of game and i haven't seen all of the events and player powers and so you could make you know mechanically use those to your advantage as well and i i think that creates some some really cool experiences right um i think about the experiences that i have in agricola where the cards that you're dealt with at the beginning of the game really set the stage for the journey that you're about to take in order to get to the destination of filling out your farm. Uh, it, it, it creates a different story every time. And that's what I like about, about games in general. If they can create a narrative and makes you, and it makes you think, oh, I remember that game where I had these, these cards or this setup, and it led me to do this and that. Um, I had one of these types of games, you know, and, and it was really cool. And so this has that potential. This um, Dragon Wake has that potential as well. 
based on the variability and, and quite a few, you know, different cards and events and things like that. Um, and so I, I still think you're going to get that, but yeah, I, uh, it may not be right for those who tend to really role play and, and really get involved in the, um, the interactions. And I, I think if, if you're on the spectrum, you're more leaning towards the role playing aspect versus the, the mechanism part, you know, portion of social deduction games, such as, you know, uh, don't mess with Cthulhu or even, um, murder in Hong Kong, the exception murder in Hong Kong. I always forget what that game is. Um, so it, it leans more towards into those types of games where there are more rules, more mechanisms in place with the opportunity to insert some social interaction there. And so it, to me, it speaks, you know, more highly because I prefer that. And, uh, and so for me, I really enjoyed the game, but, you know, perhaps, um, you know, depending on the, the way that you play and the way that your group plays, it, it may not be the right fit for you because of that. But in the end, I do think this allows for a lot of replayability. Uh, I think there are plenty of, uh, options and cards in the games that will create different scenarios every time. And the games are so quick anyway, that it's easy to pull out and, and get a lot of plays under your belt that way. So I ended up backing this game. It's it's not, you know, n- not a huge investment. And uh, even so, and just to speak on the production as well, I, th- I really like the art. The um, it, the box comes with a r- really nice wooden uh, rune dial that you can spin around, like spin the bottle, <laughs> you know, fashion. But um, and so the production really, the box itself is, uh, you know, magnetized and, and it, I think it looks really good. Um and so, yeah, I, I think it's for its price and for the type of game that you're getting, I think it's worth it. I I know that some games are, you, you have to balance the, the production level and the amount of depth of gameplay and mechanisms that you get in the game. And sometimes I feel like that is discongruent. Some games don't offer a lot of gameplay and deep, you know, mechanisms that, that would reward multiple plays. Uh, at the cost of a high production value, therefore raising the price. And so, so I, while I've been hesitant to to get some of those games in the past, I feel like um, this one just feels about right. You know, it's it's about it's twenty five dollars US uh, to purchase this game. And so, uh, yeah. So once again, this is not endorsed or or paid at all for me to preview. I just um, when I heard about the game, you know, and I, I think this speaks to its potential success as well that uh, for me, who is a Euro gamer now, was, you know, intrigued to come back and try something social that's in the social deduction realm and to like it as well after a couple of plays, I think, I think it's a hit. And so I, I commend those, uh, these first time publishers for, um, for making this game. Uh, feel free to go and check out the Kickstarter. They have uh, links to how to play and, you know, unboxing and things like that. Um, I believe the Dice Tower also has a few videos out showing their experiences. And so that uh, if you want some more perspectives, uh, you should go and check those out first or or after this. But um, but yeah, so that's Dragon Wake by Ono Games. And those are my thoughts. I, I really enjoyed it. So thank you for listening. And uh, I'll post this to my my uh, my blog on Board Game Geek. Uh, feel free to ask questions or interact with me there. I hope you schedule an appointment with your board game doctor real soon, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care.